Read verses 13 through 16. And we'll just read these in unison. Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. The Word of God says, And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, and put his hands upon them, and bless them. And let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these powerful words. Uh, thank you for this account in the scripture that shows us you truly do love the little children and you want to be able to minister to them as well as uh, to the adults. And so I pray tonight as we talk about this very practical subject, one that's so important to our church and the future of our church, that you'd help each of us to see the wisdom of it and to do what we can to reach little children. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. I love this passage of Scripture. One of the few passages of Scripture that focus on children, giving a Bible story, a Bible account of how Jesus interacted. If you read this, the picture is easy to see in your mind. Jesus was constantly thronged about with people wanting to get to him. His fame had spread abroad. Uh, He had a a throng of people everywhere he went. And imagine uh, if they had had newspapers back then, he would have been on the front page of every newspaper. If they had TV back then, he would have been on the nightly news and the 24-hour news cycle every hour. Breaking news, Jesus heals blind man. Breaking news, Jesus makes the blind to see. Breaking news, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees. Breaking news, so-and-so, Pharisee, so-and-so wants to kill Jesus. I mean, it just would have been all about Jesus. Uh, he was truly famous. And the world at that time, the, the, his world was just caught up with his doings, truly. Uh, not just in that moment, but all of history pivoted at the life of Christ. Amen. That's why even every time you write the date, 2019, you're acknowledging that there was a man named Jesus and that he changed the world. That's pretty powerful. And I love the, the irony of that for the atheist. You know, they, they must gull them to write that number. You know, 2019, if they know what they're writing. Uh, the truth is, Jesus, without any social media, without any publicist, without any relations department, uh, a man lived 2,000 years ago, the God-man lived 2,000 years ago, walking around in sandals, changed the world forever. Why? Because he's the God-man. He's the Savior that was waited for all that time. And he's the Savior that if you want to be right with God, you have to look back to today. That pivotal moment in history. So imagine, he was thronged everywhere he went. They pressed upon him. Uh, There was herds of people literally pushing and pulling, trying to get to Jesus. And that would rival anything you've ever seen on TV as crowds reaching for somebody famous. And Jesus, Jesus! And uh, imagine the, when he walked in 
uh, through Jerusalem on Main Street, that great parade they had the week before his crucifixion and the whole town lined up and throwing out palm leaves and, and having a, a victory parade for the Messiah. And then a week later, they're crying, crucify him, crucify him. Well, we are a fickle people, aren't we? And you've got to be careful in this day and age. Sometimes I'll talk to young people. I'll say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they'll say, I want to be famous. Oh, you better be careful what you wish for. Because the same people that love you today might be the same people that are trying to take away everything you got tomorrow. Uh, but thankfully, God is always faithful. But here I'm trying to put this picture in your mind of Jesus Christ, the God-man. Here he sits and he's teaching. And someone brought some children to Jesus, these precious Little children, they didn't know all the things of the world. Maybe they didn't know all the great heights of spirituality he was teaching. Maybe the Pharisee looked at the child and said, the child knows nothing. Maybe a parent looked at the child and said, the child doesn't know the burdens I carry. Maybe a sick person looked at the children going to Jesus and said, they're perfectly healthy. Maybe a dying person months or days or weeks from death looks at the children and says, I'm at the point of death. And that child's healthy. Jesus, I need to get to Jesus. And his own people got caught up in this. The adult needs. The bigness of Christ. Surely Christ is too busy for a child. Surely the Messiah could not take time out of his busy schedule to speak to these children. And someone ushers some children to Jesus. And the disciples saw it and rebuked those that brought the children. I can imagine the disciple, perhaps Peter or James or John, saying, do you know that this is the master? Do you know how busy he is? Do you know how important this man is? He doesn't have time for children. And Jesus saw what was going on in verse 14. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. See, the disciples were mad at the people bringing the children. Jesus was mad at the disciples for keeping the children away from him. It's important we have God's perspective on things, isn't it? And Jesus was much displeased, and he told the disciples, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not. That word suffer is an old English word that means allow. I give permission, allow those children to come to me. Don't forbid them. And I love the heart of Jesus. We sing the song on the church bus and in children's ministries. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Sing it if you know it. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Such a simple song. And yet I read this passage and I can't help but think of that song. Jesus loves the children. Oh, he loves the teenager. He loves the young adult. He loves the middle-aged person. He loves the elderly. He loves everybody. But don't ever think that children shouldn't come to Jesus. Don't ever think that children aren't worthy of the Master's time. Because we find from His own mouth, allow the children to come to me. I love that. We see the heart of Christ. I'm glad we have a church that loves the little children. Do you know there are some churches where they lament not having children, but yet they don't want the problems of having children? You can go into many churches in our community, and there's just no children. They're all older folks. 
but there's no kids. But honestly, they don't make provision for children. They don't make preparation for children. Uh, if a child wrote in their hymnal, they would have a cow. Kids write in our hymnals all the time. Now, you kids better knock it off. But they do. They write it off in our, all the time. Uh, trash everywhere. Crumbs everywhere. Uh, stuff written on. I saw something just today that was written all over, and <laughs> I, thought, I thought, man, I'm sure glad they wrote on the back of that, not the front of it. And, uh, you know, but it's, it's like there wasn't anger. There wasn't, oh, these kids. It was, praise God, we have kids around to write on stuff. <laughs> praise God, we have kids to break the tips off of all the pew pencils. If you try to grab one of those pew pencils and ever write, it's probably not going to work unless you, like, gnaw on it and get the lead out because uh, uh, they, they, they're kids. And praise the Lord. And kids don't put trash in the right place. And kids sometimes throw the wrong stuff down the toilet. And all of those things. But let me tell you something. I wouldn't trade it for one minute having little kids run around our church. The energy they bring. The sweetness. The innocence. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. And then Jesus did something that was unthinkable to the doctors and lawyers the religious people that looked on, he took a child and began to teach these proud, puffed-up people that they had to go back and become as a child if they were ever going to be saved. Now, here's a crowd of people saying these children shouldn't be here. These children shouldn't have access to Christ. And Jesus takes the children and puts them in front of them and says, you've got it backwards unless you become like them, you'll never get to me. That's a powerful lesson. Look at the end of verse 14. He says, for of such is the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Look at verse 15. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall not enter therein. You know, there's going to be a lot of people miss heaven because they're too grown up to admit they need a savior. They're too smart for their own good. They think that they know things. They're lifted up with pride. And Jesus says, you have to become as a child. What does that mean? These children show us the way of salvation. Children have a humility. Often children know they don't know much. Why do you do this? Why is the sky blue? Answer that, parent. Why is the grass green? Who made God? You know, where'd the Bible come from? I mean, they're not walking around like, oh, yes, let me tell you where God came from. And let me tell you why the sky is blue. Let me tell you all of the reasons why. I can answer all of your questions because I have degrees from Oxford and Cambridge and Yale and Harvard. I have it all figured out. And those people are often very far from heaven. When a young special needs child can come to Jesus in humility and simple faith. Isn't that beautiful? I love that about Jesus. He made salvation accessible to the innocent, to the unlearned, to the unsophisticated. And these children taught us that if we're going to be saved, we have to get saved by becoming as children, by being humble and by having simple childlike faith. If you tell kids there's a monster under the bed, they might believe you. And I remember one time I was up here preaching. I was joking and 
I was telling a story and I said something like, uh, you know, monsters don't live under the bed. They, everybody knows monsters live in the closet. And I heard one of the kids sitting over here go, what? <laughs> you know, and it's like, that's where monsters live. And, and, uh, but you've got to be careful what you tell children. Matter of fact, as an older brother, I often used that knowledge to terrorize and torture my younger siblings. Oh, for better days. Uh, you say, well, kids will believe anything. No, they'll believe the right things, too. They'll believe the obvious things. They have an understanding sometimes that we're too sophisticated for. Sometimes a child can look at a situation and just in innocence see the truth where you and I are so busy making excuses and justifications that we miss what is obviously in front of us. Most people get saved when they're younger. I was thankful to get saved in my teenagers. And if you look at the testimonies of people that get saved, a large portion of all people that say they got saved get saved younger than 12, and then the, the, the percentage goes down for teenagers and 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s. It is scary how few people get saved in their 70s and 80s. You know why? Because they need to become as a little child. They need to acknowledge they don't have it all figured out. They need to put their faith in a God that is there, but they can't see it. In a Bible, they didn't watch someone pen, but they listened to the Holy Spirit working in their heart, that undeniable truth when God speaks to you. You say, preacher, how's I, how do you know there's a God? There's a lot of reasons I know there's a God, but one undeniable reason I know there's a God is I've sensed Him in my own spirit. I've heard His still, small voice in my heart. I've been in the presence of God. And when the doubts come and the fears arise, as they often do in this crazy world, you can anchor yourself in the Bible. You can anchor yourself in salvation. You can anchor yourself in creation, knowing seeing all this didn't just come by accident. But my friend, there is a special gift that God gives us, an awareness of Himself. We ought never look at a child that gets saved and say, oh, they... They said they got saved, but they're just a kid. Perhaps we ought to look at the older folks and say, well, they say they got saved, but they're an adult. See, an adult has to become as a little child. Humility and faith. And so I can't, I can't read these verses here without thinking about our children's ministries at our church without thinking about particularly our bus ministry. And I want to give just a very simple lesson. I'm only going to give you, a lot of times I'll give you dozens of verses. I'm only going to give you a few verses. I'm going to give you a couple concepts. But I really want us to latch on to this thing. Jesus loves the little children. And kids can get saved. Matter of fact, adults have to become like kids in order to get saved. And that uh, having your kids in church as young people matters. I think some of the youngest ones in this room, you know, four years old, five years old, just out of the nursery. It matters them sitting in the church. You say, well, you don't know what they're getting. They're getting more than you think. Just like on the bus route this afternoon, they were asking Bible questions and the kids knew the answers. Sometimes they surprise us by what they're absorbing, being in church and being around the things of God. And so let's, let us never look at children and say, yeah, but they're just children. 
Now we suffer the children to come to Jesus, and then we often can learn by looking at children and their faith. The Bible says, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained praise. You know, sometimes kids come up with the best stuff. Funny stuff, too. But I mean, sometimes, have you ever heard your kids say something and it's so profound? It's like, how did something so profound come out of such a little body? And then they walk off and they forget about it. And it's like, you just had a life-changing thought. And I'm still here like, what just happened? And then they're off like, where's my Legos? You know, I'm going off to play. Uh, we, we can learn from those things. And so tonight I would just want to give you, uh, talking specifically about the bus ministry, I want to give you three reasons why a church should have a bus ministry. And now our church already has one, so this is more of a reminder to our church. But let me tell you something. Every once in a while, and I, I don't know anything that's going on here. I'm not trying to fix anything. I'm just teaching the Bible, and I'm going to tell you what happens from a preacher's point of view. Every so often, someone starts coming to church, or someone will get rubbed the wrong way by the kids, and they'll start saying things like, why do we have a bus ministry? Why do we have these kids running around? Why do we have all these kids? Who's watching these kids? Well, you could help. <laughs> you know, you're right there. Uh, sometimes pastors even get pressure to stop the bus ministry. Churches will say things like, we don't want these kids here. I could tell you story after story of people coming to preachers and saying, I mean, they're seeing people saved. They've got a vibrant children's ministry and people coming to the preacher and say, if you don't get rid of these kids, I'm leaving. We're taking our family with us. Uh, and so there, there is some pressure sometimes to to leave behind. Listen, children are a lot of work. You parents know that you don't need anybody to teach you that. Man, some of you moms are so exhausted right now. Uh, but praise God. And some of you dads, you work so hard and you got little kids, but you're sitting in church tonight. Praise God for that. You're doing the right thing. Stay on track. And as a church, this is a church that loves children. This is a church that loves children's ministries. And we love having the buses and we love having the children's churches and the junior churches and all those types of things. But let me tell you, you might like it a lot better sitting up here this morning in a nice comfortable pew than the people that got ran ragged downstairs in children's ministry this morning. It's a lot of work. But praise the Lord, it's a good work. It's a rewarding work. And I, I couldn't help but think about the bus ministry, thinking about these things. We can all agree that the best way for children to come to church is for their parents to bring them. Would you agree with that? Don't send your kids to church. Take them to church. Let me say that again. Don't send your kids to church. Take them to to church sit in the pew with them let them hear you sing the songs of god let them see you grab the bible and turn the pages with the preacher let them see you walk an aisle and kneel or to pray uh down here while while there's an invitation going on let your children see you come to church take them however we have the moral collapse in society that has kept many adults out of church with their kids think about that there's a lot of people that work on Sundays. Now, some people choose to work on Sundays, but a lot of people don't prefer to. A lot of people have to. That's their job. And they can either pray about getting another job, which is, or pray that the schedule changes, but at the same time, they don't set their own schedule. And so that's an issue. What about single parents that are trying to do the job of two parents and they are struggling just to make it? 
you've got to understand that our society has been, uh, our economic society has been built in such a way to have two taxpayer homes. It's really interesting when you study the, the uh, history of it, economists figured out and the government figured out if they could get moms working, they had two streams of income to tax. And so it's almost like the world is built on mom and dad having to work. And many of you make great sacrifices so that mom can stay home while the kids are at that age in the house. And by the way, I think that's a worthy goal. If that can happen, then I think kids need mama at home. Absolutely. Uh, but we've, we've got to understand that there are societal shifts that make this difficult. Some unspiritual parents just don't value church. They don't care about church. They're not saved. They wouldn't come to church. They have the opportunity. They have every opportunity. They'd rather stay home and do their lawn or, or rest or go fishing or hunting. They don't care about God. Others who grew up in church, they're living in rebellion. And it always breaks my heart to see young people who grew up in church and know better, but they're keeping their own children out of church now because of their own selfishness and rebellion. And I encourage all of us, myself included, let's not hurt our children because we get selfish. Let's not hurt our children because we get a little bit rebellious. Man, my kids need church. My mom used to tell me all the time. Now, she didn't go to church in the beginning. She would send us, but she used to look at me all the time and say, you need Jesus. <laughs> You're going to church. And you know what? She was right. I needed Jesus. And I'm glad she sent me to church. So while it's best for parents to bring their kids to church, and I know pastors that say, well, we're not going to have a bus ministry because parents just ought to bring their kids to church. Well, hello. I think we can all agree on that. But a lot of them don't. And a lot of them won't. But they will let their children come on a church bus to hear about Jesus. And I'm thankful that I was one of those kids that got to ride a bus. I love the bus ministry. I am a bus kid. My entire family was bought, brought to Christ through the bus ministry of Blessed Hope Baptist Church in Jasonville, Indiana. They're faithful bus workers. I'm here to tell you the bus ministry works. It works. We had someone baptized today from our bus ministry. We've got others planning to be baptized from our bus ministry. We've, we've seen so many people saved over the years through our bus ministry. We've seen so many people helped. I mean, I meet them all over the place. I was in one of the low-income housing places recently doing some visiting, and I saw a young lady with three or four kids running around, and she looks almost exactly like she did when she was 12. And here she is. She's got three or four kids running around, and I remember her just hopping on the bus on Sunday mornings. I mean, we've got people all over this community that, that have been helped, and maybe they're not living for God now. And No, maybe it didn't work out the way we had hoped. But I, I was at... Um, at uh, KFC, I had a guest preacher, and he wanted to go to KFC after church one night. And so I took him over there, and I handed a tract to the lady behind the, the, the desk and the, the uh, register there. And she said, she said, oh, she said, I used to go to church here. I said, what's your name? She told me your name, and I said, I know you. Now, she was a lot bigger than when I knew her, but she talked about how much fun she used to have riding the church bus. That matters, folks. There are people all over our community. Just because you don't see them doesn't mean that God is not working in their lives. And maybe not even now, but later. We had a young lady come today that uh, brought her kids to church. And she's been coming off and on as she's trying to get some things figured out in her life. But she used to ride our bus years ago and came to church as a teenager. Folks, you, you can't look at it in a snapshot and say, well, it's, it's not working. Folks, the bus ministry works. 
But bus ministries have good days. They have bad days. You'll have people with few kids or no kids. You'll have days where there's more kids than you can handle. But it works. Why? Because if you're doing it right, it's about Jesus. And it's about getting the little kids to Jesus. And I love it. I love the bus ministry. The best way to reach children over the last 50 years has been the bus ministry. Think about that. The most productive children's evangelism vehicle in the last 50 years has been the bus ministry. You say, well, times are changing, society's changing. Boy, that's true. But it still works. You say, well, preacher, we don't live in a bus route area. I hear that. You know, this isn't really a bus route area. There are no apartments around here. We don't have two flats and three flats and two and three story buildings and a lot of apartment buildings in town. The truth is you got to go up to North Kingstown to find the closest ones, and then you got to go to Westerly or Warwick to find a lot of them, or over to Middletown, there's tons of them, but people don't want to cross the, the bridge, you know, to go to church. There's all these little dynamics in, in every uh, mini culture and, and, and uh, little region of your area. But folks, we, I mean, right down the road, there's six, $700,000 houses. A fixer-upper in our town is about... $250,000. This wouldn't be considered a great bus route area. But I'm committed to the bus ministry. Why? Because it works. And it works not only to reach children, but I'll show you this just briefly in, in a moment. I think having a bus ministry changes the DNA of a church. It changes the culture of a church to where we're not just suffering the children, we're not just putting up with them if they show up, we're going out and killing ourselves to get them. Why? Because they need Jesus. And I'm talking about in the day and age now where 11 and 12-year-olds are as sassy and, and sometimes as knowledge about sin as 15s and 16-year-olds used to be. You haven't lived until you've been cussed up and down by a 10-year-old. I mean, up one side and down the other. Then they start talking about your mama. And it's like, you're 10 years old. But you know what? Those kids need Jesus. They need Jesus. And the school's not going to help them as much as they're trying to teach them and give them all this social stuff. Do you realize the, the uh, foolishness that's being shoved down kids' throats today in the public school system? It's insanity. Sex education being taught as, as young as second and third grade. The craziness of, of what the kids are learning in kindergarten and first grade as far as what, what is normalized life and normalizing abhorrent behavior and, and abominations and these types of things. Folks, we've got to be aware of what's going on. The, the society, the world system is bent on taking these little babies and corrupting their innocence as early as possible in their lives. And it's churches like ours who are saying, we're going to stand strong. We're going to fight for these children. We're going to reach out to them. Maybe the parents don't understand. Maybe the kids themselves don't understand. But somebody's got to fight for the souls of these little children and try to get them to Jesus. And that's what the bus ministry does. We try to bring children to Jesus. Some don't believe in the bus ministry for different reasons. I understand why. The bus ministry is certainly not for the faint of heart. The bus ministry is a complex ministry with a high investment of money and manpower. Costs a lot to run, costs a lot to maintain, but the eternal results are well worth the cost. 
the cons of the bus ministry. Boy, it's expensive. We learned that this this uh, summer with different bus bills, maintenance bills. You say, did you ever think about not having a bus ministry? No. I thought about, do we need to get a different bus? <laughs> For sure. And it looks like the Lord's taking care of those things. Thank God, good, uh, thank God we've got good buses that are safe and run well. But they're expensive to maintain, expensive to buy. There's liability. People say, oh, the legal liability of the bus ministry. Well, in today's litigious age, we've got to be, we've got to be careful. Well, that's why we have processes and programs and, and operating procedures, and you have to follow the rules about who's with the kids when and who takes them to the bathroom and who gets on and off the bus, and the, the bus workers get off first. You don't ever let just a kid run off first, and the bus drivers have to pay attention to driving. I mean, we have all those things in place. Why? Because there is a liability nowadays, and some churches are like, hey, it's just not worth the liability. Well, my friend, it's worth the soul. It's worth the souls of these precious babies, these children. Some people say, well, it's just a lot of work. And let me tell you, the bus ministry is a lot of work. And the bus ministry is not for everybody. But let me say this, just because you don't work in the bus ministry doesn't mean you can't support the bus ministry. And I'm glad that we've got a church that supports the bus ministry. And you see why it's important. What are the pros of the bus ministry? It helps us fulfill the Great Commission. Hey, you know, that's the purpose of the church is to fulfill the Great Commission and train other people to fulfill the Great Commission and teach everything that God has observed in discipleship. Uh, The bus ministry invigorates the church program. It inspires the church members. And I said this earlier, it positively impacts the DNA of a church. A church that has a bus ministry typically thinks differently than one that doesn't. We think differently about children's ministry. We're, We're a little bit more invested in going out and getting the people versus just having them hoping they walk in we don't live in an area where you're going to get a lot of walk by traffic there's nobody walking down south road every once in a while you get a crazy runner or a bicycler that goes by i've got friends that pastor in town or they pastor on main street i mean they can stand out the door and go soul winning all day long standing right outside their front door we're not like that here we got to go out on the highways and hedges amen and and go find them Uh, But at the same time, uh, some churches just, well, we'll just pray them in or, well, we'll just turn the lights on and see if anybody comes. You know, like that old Motel 6 commercial, Tom Bobadette, we'll keep the light on for you. Uh, People don't show up just because you you, you keep the light on. Uh, The Bible told us to go out into the world. Amen? Amen? And it positively impacts the DNA of a church. The bottom line is a poorly run bus ministry can drain a church of resources and stress out the members. It can create a church full of children with few adults to work in ministries and pay the bills. And I know pastors that have gone so far into the bus ministry that now they've got 70 kids and 10 adults. That doesn't work out very well. Uh, You've got to have a balanced bus ministry where you have people that can take care of the kids, pay the bills. And one of the ways you know whether the bus ministry is working okay is how stressed out are we after a Sunday? <laughs> you know, if we ever get stressed, and sometimes that happens. Sometimes your preacher's like, okay, we got we to gotta firm up this, and we got to stop that, and we got to teach this, and we got we to gotta remind so-and-so of this. Because a bus ministry that doesn't work right is stressful. But a bus ministry that works smoothly is still a lot of work, but it helps the church. On the contrary, a well-run bus ministry assists the church in fulfilling the Great Commission while inspiring the rest of the church to be like Jesus and caring about the children. Let me give you three things and we'll go to the house tonight. 
Why should every church consider running a bus ministry? Number one, the bus ministry is a productive evangelism tool. No other tool has been used, more greatly used of God in the last 50, 60 years to reach children than the bus ministry. By the way, bus ministries don't just reach children, they reach families. We have moms ride our bus because they need a ride to church too. My mom got saved because my younger sister was riding a bus and asked mom if she would come to church on Easter Sunday, and she got back into church, and the Lord began speaking to her heart. And so it's not just about children. The truth is the best thing to do is reach daddy and mama and you get the kids, but it also works from the other way. Sometimes you need to reach the kids first and then you reach the rest of the family. And that's why as bus workers, we have to be careful that we're not just talking to the kids each week. If I'm, if I'm ever out visiting and Bobby comes to the door, often I'll say, hey, is your mom home? Can I talk to her for just a second? Why? Because I just want to see mom. I just want to see dad. Hey, is your dad home? Hey, I just want to check. Is it okay if Timmy rides tomorrow? Okay, awesome. Great. You need anything? All right, we'll see you next week. Because I just want to touch, I want to have that touch with the adult because it's not just about children, it's about reaching into the rest of the family. Look at uh, Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, verse 23. The word of God says, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house be, may be filled. See, the Lord in this passage here did not want an empty house. I think the Lord would be honored if we filled every seat in the church house. That doesn't happen by wishing, and that doesn't happen by uh, having a big rock concert or by bringing in some magician and putting on some show or some program. We're not event organizers at the church. We are ministers of God. But we ought to go out and compel people to come in, compel them, giving them the gospel, inviting them to come. Yes, we'll have people come in here and there, but at the same time, we have to go out and get them. And the bus ministry is a productive evangelism tool. Let me say number two, the bus ministry is a powerful discipleship tool. Look at John chapter 8. The bus ministry is an evangelism tool, helps us see people saved. But it's also a powerful discipleship tool. Bus ministry leads to people getting baptized. It leads to people learning about the scriptures. And as a church, we don't just believe in getting people saved. We believe in trying to get them to become disciples and following Jesus. Now look at John chapter 8 and verse 31. This famous verse says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I want you to look at me. There's a lot of people out there that claim the name of Christ, but they're, they're stuck in bondage. They're stuck in the sin of this world. Why? Because they don't know his word. You need to know the word so you can be set free. How do you know the word? You've got to learn it. You've got to make room in your life to learn the word of God. That means you come to Sunday school. That means you come to Sunday morning church. That means you come to Sunday night. You come to Wednesday night. The more word you learn, the stronger disciple you become, the greater freedom you have. Is it any wonder that Satan tries to keep you from reading the word? Is it any wonder that some of you here perhaps are saying, I don't even like preaching? Well, if you don't like preaching, friend, you're going to be in real trouble because you're never going to find the freedom that God wants for you because you've got to learn the word to have freedom. And the bus ministry, we help people come to church. 
We go out and pick them up and bring them to church. We go visit them and bring them to church. A lot of times, whether it's, it's folks in low-income housing or, or areas where, where folks just work a lot, they don't get up in the morning. Character doesn't come without somebody instilling it in people, right? And so a lot of times, people don't come. They'll tell you they come, and then they don't come. If you want, if you want to have 15 on your bus, you better have 30 people tell you they're coming. If you want to have 30, you better have 60 tell you they're coming. Because a lot of people don't have the character to get up. But the bus ministry says, I'm going to compel you to come in. I'm going to visit you on Saturday, see if you're coming. I'm going to come back and wake you up Sunday morning. I'm going to give you a ride to church. I'm going to make sure that you're in church and you're in the right place. And then we're going to take you home. I mean, folks, talk about a wonderful discipleship program. I've known many people throughout my life, and I'm like, if we could just take this person with a good heart and put them in some situation where they had the structure to do what they were supposed to do for a while, they could be a pretty good person. That's what you see with these uh, in-session drug rehabs and different things like that. They'll put people in a place. They'll say, we'll be your character for you for a while. Not for the rest of your life, but for a while. We'll tell you when to get up. We'll tell you who you can and can't talk to because you don't have the character to be successful. And the bus ministry does this beautiful thing where it's like, let us help you get to Jesus. Let us make it easy for you. Let us remind you every week. And the truth is we keep visiting people until they say, we don't want to come anymore. And then when they say we don't come anymore, that means, all right, we'll see you in two months. We'll check back in two months. You know why? Because things change in two months. I've known a lot of people say we're not coming anymore. And then six months later, they're coming back. Why? Because life is a good teacher. And sin hurts. And so the bus ministry is a powerful discipleship tool. I think discipleship begins with faithful attendance to Sunday school and church. All right, then let me say lastly, the bus ministry is a proven training tool. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 11, it's a familiar verse, but one that is so applicable. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, And he, that's God, gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So one of the jobs of pastors and teachers is to perfect the saints, to add to them, to teach them, to build them. Why? So they can work in the ministry. Why? So they can edify the body of Christ. This isn't just the pastors and teachers working and edifying. This is growing the members so they can work and edify. And one of the things about a, a church like ours or a church that has a bus ministry or a church that's very focused on, on outreach, biblical outreach, is that we believe every member should be a minister. Now, that doesn't mean every member is going to be a pastor or a, a deacon or a missionary, but everybody's got a job to do, right? Uh, for some of you, your life's so crazy that the most you can do right now is pray and show up and give. Praise God. We couldn't do what we do without, without the finances to carry on. Others say, hey, I'm broke as Job's turkey, but I got some time and I can come and help you with this or that. Some say I got money and time. We need more of those people. Amen. Uh, Those are few and far between. Right. Usually you got time or money. Very few have both. But everybody can do something. We need people to clean. We need people to uh, uh, vacuum the rugs. We need people to work on the the, the, the buildings and the buses. I mean, 
to, to have a church like this requires so many different things. And I think a lot of churches make the, the mistake of saying, oh, that's the preacher's job, or oh, that's the deacon's job, or that's, let's just pay someone to do that. No, we believe that every member has a job to do in the ministry of Christ. And you're going to find fulfillment and joy in learning to do what God's called you to do. Now, the bus ministry is one of those jobs. And let me just tell you, the bus ministry is not for everybody. It's intensive. It requires a large commitment of time and faithfulness. But if you ever did want to work in the bus ministry, look at what you learn on the job training. To be in the bus ministry, you learn how to visit people in their homes. Many people are scared to knock on a door of somebody they don't know or even go visit people. You learn to visit people you don't know. You learn to witness to people and talk to people about Jesus and win people to Christ on the street or in the home. You learn how to disciple people and give them scriptures for life's problems and teach them the word of God. You learn how to counsel and little Bobby's not paying attention. So you share with him a Bible verse and perhaps a story that that affected you. Or perhaps you show up at the door and and mom got beat last night and dad's in jail. And and what do you do now? Well, you need to be there to pray with her and comfort her and and these types of things. Uh, You learn how to song leading and, and lead songs on the bus with kids. You learn how to play games and whether it's the pass it up game or the catch the dollar game or all these different singing games you get a a wide breadth of of experience working in the bus ministry you learn to preach you can learn to teach you learn to deal with problems you haven't lived until a kid you're responsible for just falls on the floor and starts screaming and what do you do (laughs) that's right brother ken's like call 911 (laughs) that's right (laughs) and you can't touch them you can't. Oftentimes, they just need a good, a good whack or two, you know, by a loving parent. Uh, those types. Of, what do you do? Some of you that work in children's ministries, you know, because we got a couple kids that do that about every other week. Uh, you become a leader who finds solutions. You learn how to deal with stress in the bus ministry. You can even learn how to drive a bus and earn a CDL. Uh, one of my preachers said that being a bus captain was the closest thing to being a pastor without actually pastoring a church. Think about that. That, I mean, if you're you're truly involved, if you're truly invested, uh, it's an amazing thing. But bus ministry is on-the-job training for ministry. I just give you these three things tonight, folks, because I believe in the bus ministry. I know you do, too. I wouldn't be here without the bus ministry of Blessed Hope Baptist Church. Pastor Ross believed in the bus ministry. The deacons and members believed in the bus ministry. Brother Bo, who is actually a machinist by day and superhero on the weekends, uh, bus ministry superhero, he believed in the bus ministry. His daughter Tina, which worked in the bus, she was a single adult, never got married until later in life. She worked at the bus ministry all the time. Matter of fact, pray for Tina Eichelman. She's Bovenshin now is her name. Uh, she's been very sick and in the hospital, and, and she's had a lot of health problems over the years, but uh, they're concerned about a lot of things for her. I wouldn't be here without these people. Listen to me. I wouldn't be here unless Brother Bo knocked on my door every week. Every week. Hey, Paul, you coming? Not this week. I'd go to my dad's every other week. He'd visit anyway. Hey, I know you're at your dad's this week, but I just want to know we're praying for you. We'll stop by next Saturday. I mean, we moved three times, and he found us each time out knocking on doors. He just knocked on our door one day. Hey, it's Brother Bo again. I mean, it became comical. 
the first time when I was four, he found me. The last time when I was about 13. It's amazing. I wouldn't be here, folks. And this is the power of the bus ministry is these precious souls and these little children that need Jesus so desperately. Parents who are dying to take care of their own families but have no idea what they're doing. Oh, what could happen if we could just get them to Jesus? I'm thankful that we have a bus ministry. And by the grace of God, we'll always have one. But it's going to require a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of money. But let me say this. If we ran these buses for 20, 30 years and only saw one person saved, it would all be worth it. What price can you place on a soul? And here we are, we've been privileged to see so many people saved, so many lives affected. I thank God for the bus ministry. Amen? Let's reach these children. Not just in the bus ministry, but Sunday school teachers, you're doing a great work. Children's church workers, you're doing a great work. It all has to work together. A bus ministry just gets them here. We've got to take care of them while they're here. And we, we, we work together to do all of that. And we communicate with each other because sometimes there are real problems and sometimes we have to take kids home that just won't listen. And sometimes we have to talk parents through things. And I mean, nowadays we'll have kids that one week they're an angel and the next week their parents either gave them their medicine or didn't give them medicine and the kids are off the wall. I mean, these kids are facing so many things, folks. But just imagine if we could get them to Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the bus ministry. Thank you for a church that loves children and that wants to do everything we can to help them. Pray you'd protect our church from uh, safety issues, help us to follow the rules 